Get you some radio. The truth is, we may want to reach a lot of people in our lives, but we're limited. We have only so much capability. The key to everything, if we're going to spread our message, if we're going to communicate and persuade and touch people's hearts the way we really want to, then the key is to simply reach those people you can reach, but reach them enough times that you can have an impact on them. Now, 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 your weekly dose of inspiration, inspiration. Perspiration. perspiration, and just the right amount of bull defecation. <laughs> the Get You Some Radio Show, with your host, the Vice President of Making Shit Happen, Terry Lancaster. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Get You Some Radio Show. I am Terry Lancaster, as always, and this is the Get You Some Radio, your weekly dose of inspiration, perspiration, and just the right amount of bull defecation. If you're not a subscriber, got a brand new easy way to subscribe for you. All you got to do is text the word Terry. Text Terry, T-E-R-R-Y. Text Terry to 444 999. Text Terry to 444-999. You'll make sure you don't miss a single episode of the Get You Some Radio Show. And we've got an episode for you today. Boy, howdy. Let me tell you. It's, it's, it's an old story. It's an old story. I live here in Nashville, and uh, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a singer, songwriter, massage therapist at every, uh, every restaurant you go into town because everybody comes to Nashville with a dream. Country Boy comes here to bend guitar strings and stand on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry. And that's what happened to today's guest. He came here to do that, but that is not what happened. What happened is he ended up starting a big-time advertising agency. He's authored 11 books. He's a member of the Motivational Speakers Hall of Fame. He's presented to over 3,000 audiences on five continents. He's a star of stage and screen, and he's going to tell you how that happened by him following his strengths and not not his passions. We'll be back with Steve Diggs right after this. Make more friends, sell more cars. 97% of car shoppers say they would prefer to know their salesperson before they ever set foot in the dealership. People buy from people they know, like, and trust, and they refer their family and friends to people they know, like, and trust. Visit terrylancaster.org to learn how your sales staff can get more reviews, more referrals, and more repeat business by building better, stronger, more authentic relationships online and in real life. TerryLancaster.org Boy, howdy, Steve. Welcome aboard, baby. Terry, that was quite an introduction. I wish my parents were alive. My, <laughs> my dad would have been so proud of me, and yeah. my mom would have believed everything he said. <laughs> hey, uh, all we got to do is get you a name tag to hang from your, hang from your hat, a little, uh, a little, a little, yeah, a little mini pearl thing going here, yeah. There you go. How you been, baby? Well, I've been doing well, thank you. It's good to be back home. I'm, I'm in town during the summer a little bit more than usual, and uh, just happy to be able to catch up with you, Terry, and be here today. Well, I'm, I, I appreciate you taking time from your travels. And, man, you, you do get around. You're on cruise ships. You're on, you're on foreign continents. You're, you're, you're doing everything. And you're spreading the word. And so let, let's, let's start right there. I mean, everything people, you know, you hear everyone talking about the secrets to success and how, uh, how, if, you, um, how if, you, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life and follow your passions. But Steve Diggs says that's the wrong way to go. 
Tell us about well, that. Well, before we get into that, let me build a little context around this. Terry, here's the thing. I spent, as you mentioned, over 20 years running what grew to be a very successful ad agency. And over those years, worked with quite a number of businesses, scores and probably hundreds of companies, helping, the, helping them develop their brands. And that was a perfectly legitimate thing to do because we were helping them improve their bottom lines. Well, in 1992, I was 39 years old when I found myself at the hospital. And before they let go of me, I, they'd done five heart bypasses on me. Subsequently, they found more disease and gave me two years to live. Uh, fortunately, God had some other plans. And I give him all the praise for this because the truth is, after my uh, surgery and after all that had come down, the doctors really did believe that I was not going to make it. Um, however, after a week waiting to come back and kind of learn how I was supposed to die, I came back, didn't know this at the time, but apparently people all over the, around the world actually had started a 24 hour a day prayer chain for me. I didn't, I, I can't believe it to this very day, but the doctors at Vanderbilt sat down and said, Steve, uh, we need to tell you, we've been looking at those videos that we shot of your heart last week. And every time we look at them, it's like, it's improving on its own. We did some more tests. Long story short. They decided that, that I was not on a one to two year timeline. They told me I might have up to eight or 10 years and then maybe I could get a heart transplant. Well, here it is 2019. I've got over 100 flights this year. I'm running five miles on a whack. I've had two major follow-ups and in both cases, my heart has actually improved. I just give God the praise, but I am on a journey, Terry, trying my dead level best to go from some success in life to some significance in life for other people. And for that reason, I sold my companies in 2000 and I began speaking to audiences. Again, what I'd done professionally was help businesses build their brands. But my goal now is to help individuals very effectively build their own personal brands. Because whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, every one of us has a personal brand. And, and essentially, our personal brand is what people say about you after you've left the room. So my goal is to help people develop legitimate personal branding, personal brands of their own that they can communicate, stimulate, motivate, and focus other people that they are in contact with in a much more productive way. So that's kind of where I come at it from. Well, well good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. that. That's kind of my jam too. I talk a lot about personal branding. So, so let me, so, so we'll start there. I mean, here, here's the thing. I've, I've raised three daughters and I tell people one of my superpowers from raising three daughters is I can hear when people roll their eyes at me. I had three teenage daughters. Oh, oh, man, here he goes again. And I, I get that a lot when I mention personal branding because people, people, they, they think a lot of people have the wrong idea about it and they're just, they just hear it and they don't want anything to do with it. So tell us what it is, how it works, and why we should have something to do with it. Well, Terry, it's a whole lot like it works in the advertising business, but on a personal level. For instance, one of the strategies, in, one of the most fundamental strategies of advertising is the reach and frequency formula. Now, I know you're an old radio man and you've got a background in advertising. Terry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But for your, your listeners and for your viewers, reach and frequency boils down to this question. We realize that no advertiser can effectively, on, and on a cost-effective basis at least, reach 100% of the population. So the question is this. If you have X number of dollars that will allow you, theoretically at least, to reach 100% of your target market over a 30-day period one time, is it better to spend 100% of our money to do that one-time presentation, or would it be better to take that same number of dollars 
yet only hit 10% of those people, but hit all 10% of those people 10 times during the course of the month. And I think, I know you, Perry, you know the business. You and I would agree, and I think most people would agree, that it's much better to reach 10% of the people and reach them 10 times because one message isn't enough to affect change, to impact a person at all. It takes that repetition. Now, here's how this plays out in personal branding. The truth is, we may want to reach a lot of people in our lives, but we're limited. We have only so much capability. The key to everything, if we're going to spread our message, if we're going to communicate and persuade and touch people's hearts the way we really want to, then the key is to simply reach those people you can reach, but reach them enough times that you can have an impact on them. Let me tell you a story, if I may. Um, I, call this, I call this the Waffle House story. Now, for many of your listeners, they'll know what Waffle Houses are. But here in the South, and maybe other places in the country, they, they may not. But here in the South, we have these Waffle Houses all over. And I love Waffle Houses. They're known for their great waffles and breakfast and various things. But suppose I came into the Waffle House near where I live in Brentwood, Tennessee, next week. Or let's change that. Let's say I'm coming a couple of weeks before Christmas coming up. And there's a little girl there. She comes walking up to me. Uh, she's about 19 or 20 years old. She looks like she's in a horrible frame of mind. Um, she has one of those little badges on, you know, that has a picture of two little toddlers on it. Over here is her name. It's, her name is Vicky. She's not wearing a wedding ring. I mean, you kind of know the story. And when Vicky comes up to me, she's not very cordial. But I choose to be kind to her. And we talk a little bit, and that's about the end of that. And maybe a time or two more, that happens. And then say about a week before Christmas, I get with my wife, Bonnie, and I say, hey, babe, why don't we go over to the Waffle House, and let's do dinner over at the Waffle House. And we go over, and we sit at Vicky's table. She comes. She serves us. She's talking with us a little bit more now because she's feeling a little more comfortable. But then as Bonnie and I get ready to leave after Vicky has dropped off the ticket, Bonnie reaches in her purse, or, or I reach in my billfold, and we pull out three crisp $100 bills and slip those under the plate. And then we silently walk out of this place and go out into the darkness and sit in the car and wait and watch Vicky pick up that plate. Now, Terry, I would submit to you that that's Christmas. And how do you suppose Vicky's going to respond to me a week or two after Christmas in the new year when I come back in. She might be a little bit more willing to hear what I have to say. Maybe let Bonnie or myself mentor her a little bit more. That's what I mean. We can't reach everybody, but we can reach a few people, and we need to reach those people effectively. There's a, there, there's a lot to break down there, and I've, and I've got my own Waffle House story. I'll tell you some other time when we're having a cup, a cup of coffee here. We'll meet at the Waffle House, and I'll tell you my Waffle House. Love to. But uh, so, so there's a lot to break down, and it's, it's, it's about going, going a mile deep and, and an inch wide. And, and it's exactly that because a lot of people that uh, when, when you start talking about personal branding, they think they have to be Kim Kardashian, that I have to have oh. a million followers on Instagram or I have to have two million Snapchat followers. And they compare themselves to what they see in, in mass media. But if you're selling cars or home supplies or plumbing or mortgages, you don't need a million followers on Instagram, you need to be an inch wide and a mile deep. That's know. exactly right. And remember, of course, Terry, you know this as well. We're never selling a car. We're never selling plumbing appliances. We're never selling insurance. What we're always selling is ourselves. And all successful selling involves three things. It involves trust. It involves trust. And it involves trust. 
when a person knows you and when they like you and when they trust you, then they'll do business with you whatever you're selling. That's the key to the whole, the whole shooting match in my judgment. And, and, and you build trust, again, by frequency. I, I, when, I'm, when I'm working with salespeople and uh, get them to do, post a video or, or, or do one thing, a lot of times, and, and we're all like this, we, uh, we, have, we, start, we start something and we do it that one time. We go to the gym on January 1st that one time, or we, we run a mile that one time, or we post a video on Facebook that one time. And when the walls don't come crashing down and people beat, beat the doors down to, to work with us, what do we do? Well, that don't work. That's exactly right. Yeah. The, key to, the key to it is you find the right thing to do and you do the right thing, not because you get applause, but because you know it's the right thing and because good people put value in that. And by doing the right thing over and over again, you will receive the right results. And you see, we're living in a world today, Terry, where virtually everybody's being sold a bill of goods that says, essentially, if it feels good, do it. Well, in reality, that's bad advice. And this kind of gets to what we were talking about a moment ago about passions versus strengths. You know, this culture that we're living in is also telling people, hey, chase your passions, whatever you're passionate about, go after that. But, you know, we think about this just a little bit and you realize real quickly that that doesn't really work. That is a formula for failure. I mean, for instance, what father would ever send his 16-year-old daughter on a date with the words, honey, go out, you, you and your guy go out tonight and have a lot of fun and play to your passions? I mean, really? Dads don't do that. And, and, you know, we know that if we play with our passions and eat too much food, if we play to our passions and drink too much, we're going to get drunk and, and fat. So the key to the whole thing is to understand that it's not about our passions. It's not about doing what feels good. It's not about instant gratification. It's doing what is good. And the way we get there is to figure out what God-given strengths we already have and then begin to play to those and make those strengths our passions. And then suddenly there will be so much success, you can't even stop it from coming at you. Yeah, I, I always say that, uh, I, I actually, I, I kind of started that. I followed my passion into the radio business, and what I ended up doing was turning the things I love into work. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and then, you know, so then it became like work, and I followed my strengths into the advertising business and kind of left the music business, the music end of it behind. So how, yeah. do, we, how, do, we, how do we differentiate between our passions and our strengths, and, and how, do we chase, how do we chase the right thing? Well, here's what I believe. I believe that every one of us have God-given strengths and abilities. Uh, you know, there's a curious passage in the Bible that says, raise up a child in the way that he should go, and, he, and when he's old, he won't depart from that. Now, that's a proverb, and people sometimes have misunderstood that, thinking that that's some kind of a guarantee. That's not what it is at all. A proverb is just that. It is a concept that is generally true. I mean, we know generally if we raise up children the right way, they're going to do well. But the real key to that passage is a little phrase that kind of goes past us. Raise up a child in the way he or it could be she, he or she should go. And, and if you dive into the Hebrew there, you learn that it's really saying something very unique. It's saying, essentially, hey, every child has a way that he or she should go. It's different from other kids. It's their way. It's the thing that makes them special. And the key to great parenting is to get out ahead of this, figure out what is the direction our kid wants to go, what is their strength, and then channel them productively in that direction. Now, the same thing holds true for us. Most of us, with very little thought, can kind of begin to see where our strengths are. 
The trouble is sometimes we are looking at the flashy things around us and we're not passionate about the strings, but we want to go after something that is our passion instead. And again, people who do this almost always fail. The reality is this. Whenever you, sh you chase short-term dreams, you're going to end up unhappy. Whenever you follow after a long-term dream, you're going to be very, very happy. That's why when you go into Walmart, they know we're short-term thinkers, so they know we're impulse buyers. So at the cash register, there are 14 billion things all around, candy bars and, and Bic lighters and ballpoint pens, a thousand things. And we go in and we're about ready to check out and we see a couple of those shiny things that make us feel good for a minute. So we grab them, we put them in the cart, we spend an extra $5 we don't need, go out in the parking lot and eat a two or 300 calorie candy bar we don't need. Mm -hmm. Now it feels good for the moment, but a few minutes later we're thinking, man, I didn't need to do that. The trick is to figure out what is, the, what is good for the long term and play to that. And that's where our strengths come in. When we play into our strengths, and then we allow ourselves to become excited about those strengths, and we become passionate about them, life is a walk through the park. <laughs> so uh, I've, I've, that's one of the things I've done. I've, I've, I, I have a degree in journalism, and I spent uh, spent a long time thinking that was fa fairly well useless because uh, that was I was I was trained to write for small town newspapers, and, and that, that's really not a thing anymore. The, the, the Nashville, the, the Tennessee, just sold that big building they got down on Broadway. But more and more over the, last, uh, over the last few years, I've determined that my training in journalism has helped me do exactly what you've just been doing, exactly what you did with Waffle House, the ability to tell a story, to weave a narrative. And because of the way the world has changed, because of Google and because of the communications that we do, I think the role of story and the power of narrative has always yes. been super powerful, but I think it's magnified now. Uh, you know, you're right, Jerry. You're so right about that. The thing is, when we tell a story and we touch a heart, then change happens. And I, I won't speak for you, but a lot of us who are, who are speakers, I've certainly done this way too many times and I'm embarrassed about it. I've stood up in front of audiences and said, you know, the longest 15-inch trip in the world is the one from the head to the heart. I really did believe that. I don't believe that anymore. I believe the longest 15-inch trip in the world is the one that starts at the heart and then migrates northward to the head. You see, the thing is, we grew up, you and I uh, pretty much, and people that are older than us, we grew up in, in what is known now as the modernist, uh, the modernist time or the age of enlightenment. It goes back about 300 years. And the thinking in the Western continents, essentially during this period of time, has been that if you get enough facts and stack them on top of each other, you will come to a clear conclusion. doesn't matter how you feel or act. Fact is fact is fact. Now, people today that are in their 40s and younger, these people have grown up in a postmodern culture that essentially says, you know, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Don't get in my way. Just do anything that feels good and, and on. Well, I happen to think that both sides are right and both sides are wrong. I agree with my modernist friends who say that there is such a thing as absolute truth, absolutely. I believe that. But on the other side, I'm totally sympathetic to younger people that I speak to routinely who look at people of my age and say, well, then if you have the truth, why don't you show some compassion? Why don't you show some heart? And this is why it is so important, especially people in their 40s and younger, not to do what may be comfortable if you're older, but instead get to where they're at. Tell the story. Start with the story. Start with the benefits. Start with the emotion. But don't leave it there, because if you leave it there, then all you're doing is playing to a postmodern mindset. Take the story data and push it with the fact, and then it becomes something that, that, is, that is 
you know, cognitive, something that we can live with, juice with, grow with, and develop better with. Yeah. And from a sales standpoint, this is, you know, someone, someone told me, so you sell the sizzle, not the steak. People don't make buying decisions for logical reasons. They make buying decisions for emotional reasons. When you, when, when you, when you pull those heartstrings, when you weave a story that touches them on a gut emotional level. Yeah, but Terry, I think it goes a little beyond that. I do believe that people make a lot of buying decisions on emotion, and that's okay up to a point. But if we can't back up the emotion with legitimate data that makes this purchase for them a good thing, then we need to be people of character who then step away from, from that, that pitch. And, and again, this gets back to not being able to reach all the people. There are people out there that don't need any given product. And part of being good at sales is understanding that and being willing to step away from it. There is no shortage of prospective buyers. The key is to find the right people that are a good fit. And those people then love you forever. And they're permanently on your side of the fence for the rest of your life, as long as you're selling anything. All right. So, Steve, I told you I was going to do this. I, I promise everyone if they'll spend, uh, spend a half hour with me and, and my friends chatting over coffee, talking about this kind of thing, that they're going to walk away with one thing that they can do in their life to create health, happiness, and prosperity because, you know, that, that, that's, what it, the, that's the sum in the Get You Some radio show to create health, happiness, and prosperity and uh, knowledge without action is just entertainment. So, uh, so, Steve, give us one thing, one thing that the listeners can do today to start, to start building a better life using the things we've talked about here today? Well, let me share one thought. Consider becoming ambidextrous. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of ambidextrous that we've always heard of before. I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly, Terry. You remember back when you were a kid, I do, in first grade, there was a kid in the class that could write with their right hand or their left hand, and we called that child ambidextrous. Then a lot of ambidextrous people throughout the, the centuries, Albert Einstein, uh, so many people that have been greatly successful people. But I'm talking about something a little different here. I'm talking about becoming mentally ambidextrous. You see, you know, the, the, the neurologists and people in the, of the sciences tell us, and this is a, it's much more nuanced than this, but generally our brains are divided into a right and a left lobe. And we understand that generally speaking, people tend to play out of one of these two lobes. Now, right brain thinkers, these are the creative types. These are the people that are the um, outgoing people usually. They're the people who make great CEOs. They're the, they're, they tend to be the best salespeople. On the other side, we have the left brain thinkers. These are the analysts. These are the people who are in the sciences. These are the bean counters and CPAs and all these people. Now, I learned very early on when I was running my ad agency that I did not have the luxury of being who I was. If I was going to lead effectively, I had to become mentally ambidextrous. In other words, I had to be able to work with the right brainers and the left brainers because at my conference table, I had plenty of right brainers. These were the artists and the writers, the photographers, and all they wanted to do was create a great ad. But over here on the other side, we had account executives who were watching the dollars and they had to keep everything on budget. And I realized very early that these people were not in conflict, but their approaches would become combative if I didn't raise, raise myself above this and bring them together. I was going to have open warfare if I didn't do something about it. Yeah. And this is the key to great leadership, great personal branding on all levels. Become a person who steps back from every situation and looks at the people. Usually within a few moments, you can size a person up, left brain, right brain, and then learn to speak to that person in, in, in the way they're used to speaking, make it easy for them to communicate with you. 
Yeah, you have the ability to change. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm introverted, and my daughter is highly introverted, and I've, I've been struggling, you know, for, for years to get her to come out of her shell to, to do the things. And so I asked her one day, I, I said, uh, how, how, how would you describe me? Am I an introvert or an extrovert? She said, oh, you're an extrovert. You go out and you do speeches, and you're on webcams, and you're, you're, you're doing the podcast, and you've, you've got all these yeah. things going on. I said, yeah, I do like 5% of the time. How do I spend the rest of the 95% of my day? Oh, in your room staring at a computer screen? That's yep. exactly right. I, you know, I think a lot of us are that way. I'm, I'm, I'm very extroverted when my job calls for it, right. but I spend so much of my time in thought, working, writing, very private time. I feel good that way. And you turn it on when you need to turn it on. Yeah, and it's real, but it's not something I can run with 100% of the time. Some people can. Right. I, I don't have that. I'm not geared up that way. Yeah, yeah, me either. It just wears me out. But the, the, the I, but I have control over it. That when I need to, I can be a, I can be. It's the same me. I can just be different. I can use some different. I, I can use some di the different side of my brain. Some right. Different skills that I have for 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 a little while because we all have legions yeah. in us. We all we all we all have those things that we we can tap into when we need to, and we just need to figure out how to use them, when to use them, and where to use them. Yeah, I, I dig it. I think you're dead on. All right, Steve. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, if they wanted you to uh, come host a game show on their cruise, if they wanted you, <laughs> if, if they want, if they wanted you to speak in front of their conference, if they, if, if they wanted more, Steve, how do we make that happen? Well, listen, I, I do speak on cruise ships on occasion, but my main work falls into two categories. Number one, I do a lot of corporate speaking um, for big companies that you've heard of, Walmart, um, H, um, um, Hilton. Um, uh, McDonald's, companies like this, FedEx and, and American Airlines, and a lot of little teeny weeny companies you've never heard of. But I do a lot of leadership training. I do a lot of personal branding training and then on skill sets, time management, goal setting and accomplishments and all that stuff. I love doing this because I love to see people getting energized and educated, enthused and focused. That is a big part of my life. I'm also, a, I'm a Christian, and I speak to a lot of Christian groups. I've spoken in probably about seven or 800 different churches and conferences now. Uh, I do a seminar called No Debt, No Sweat, where we talk about how to get our money under control and how to really become the kind of people financially we want to be. 70% of Americans are struggling with their money. And, and this is a plan that really helps people get out of debt, get, to, get a focus on the future, become the givers we want to be, teaching our kids and all that. And I also do uh, leadership training at churches. So those are the things. Now, as far as getting in touch with me, it's pretty simple. My website is simply stevediggs.com, S-T-E-V-E-D, like David, I-G-G-S dot com. You come there. My phone number, 615-300-8263, in case you didn't get that, 615-300-8263, or you can simply email me. It's simply steve at stevediggs.com. I would love to talk to you about talking for you, so just give me a shout. Call before midnight so you don't forget. See, brother, this has been awesome. I, I, I appreciate everything. I love it. Anytime I get a chance to talk to you. So next time you're in town, Waffle House, we'll grab a cup of coffee. We'll make it happen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, all. Get you some radio. You've been listening to the Get You Some Radio Show. Subscribe today at terrylancaster.tv to hear more episodes, win valuable cash and prizes, and get free training to help you create an army of buyers who know, like, and trust you before they've ever even met you. It's a big, wide world, boys and girls. Get out there and get you some.